0: Welcome back to episode four of Hedging Happiness. We're excited to have you guys back here. A little bounce back week and you know, a week three for myself. Overall, we, uh, we're still on the, on the tracks a little bit. We're, we're trying to find our footing. The board is still very, very fuzzy, but we're going to keep uh, plugging on here as, as we will throughout the rest of the year. This episode, we're going to outline uh, the week three recap, go over our picks, kind of the big games that we had. We have a special guest this week, Max Lakowecki, a soccer player that went to Notre Dame and played with Luke and I and currently is still playing soccer for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. We have a good interview with him. With him as well, we're going to go into week four college football. Again, preview some of the big games. We feel like this is a pretty good week. We'll give our picks, and then we will finish with a snake draft of your favorite or best college football helmets. So, let's get into this thing. Let's start uh, with week two. Let's get right into here, or week three, rather. Luke, why don't you get us going with uh, some of the big games that we'll recap?
1: Yeah, so maybe this is not the biggest games, but I think the most interesting games the first on the docket was number three oklahoma hosting nebraska and oklahoma won 23 16 i watched this game because it was my lock and i continue to walk away thinking what is the deal with oklahoma they barely scrape by Tulane. lane they crush their i think it was an fcs Wagner. opponent yeah and then they come out and struggle again against Nebraska, and, and here's my big question mark with Oklahoma, Alabama, we'll talk about Alabama later, but Alabama came out in the first quarter and looked very good and then tailed off. I don't know if I've seen a really good quarter from Oklahoma yet. And the re- only reason that I have like, hope in our futures pick is that they have time. Right They don't play anybody until Iowa State later in the year, so they can figure it out and maybe maybe you say they're not getting up for the game um, but it uh it doesn't look good for Oklahoma. I'll say what does look good though leading into the next the next game is that there doesn't appear to be a runaway champion like we thought after the first two weeks, right? And so why don't you take? Why don't you take the Alabama-Florida game?
0: Yeah, well, I real quick to just talk about Oklahoma for a little bit more. You nailed it last week when you said, we're going to be riding this up-and-down roller coaster by high, so low, or whatever, whatever it was uh, that we had. And, of course, we had it at the wrong timing. Lincoln Riley came out this week and said that their offense is – very, very close to getting it all figured out and returning to the form that they that everybody knows Oklahoma's offense. Right, my how confident do you feel in that statement?
1: I I'm, I'm concerned about Spencer Rattler, and if you have concerns about the quarterback position, you can't be very confident in the you know long term efficiency of the offense. Right, this I, I looked up the stats. He went like 200 yards one. Or two touchdowns, I believe, and it, it it didn't look good, regardless of the stat line, right? And, and I here's just, the
0: thing, right? Here's the thing with Lincoln Riley with the he's supposed to be this offensive guru genius, but he's had some three of the best quarterbacks we've seen in college football, and Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, and all three of those guys are starting in the NFL, and we have an MVP candidate in Kyler Murray, so he wasn't able to really get it done with those three quarterbacks and now who knows what Spencer Rattler is but to your point if they don't have an elite quarterback maybe Lincoln Riley isn't quite as good as we think they are and maybe Oklahoma isn't quite as good as you know what everybody thinks
1: no it's starting to come out in other areas too right like these I don't want to say transcendent quarterbacks across the college football but look what's happening to Clemson too they lose Trevor Lawrence and now after going to Sean Watson, Trevor Lawrence, now they're with DJ, you know, whatever his name is, and they're struggling. Lelele. It's like a huge question mark whether they have a very good offense or not. And so, yeah, it's we. I think we've been very fortunate to see some incredible quarterbacks in the last like four or five years. Um, but it appears that there are some teams out there that have trouble getting it done without those those transcendent stars.
0: Absolutely, and. One of those teams that does not have trouble getting it done is Alabama. They were in the swamp in Gainesville, Florida against number 11 Florida last week, winning 31-29, to really a tale of two halves, right? They come out first quarter, they look like they're going to win by 40, and everyone who's watching this game in the first quarter is locking, penciling them in, pinning them in, permanent marker Sharpie alabama national champions because they did look that good and then here come the florida gators right they they start to figure out how to kind of chuck away chuck away and kind of get to this alabama defense by running the football 245 yards rushing it really looked like they were in control um throughout the you know last three quarters and if there's four more minutes left i think florida wins that game right
1: I wish we had Mike on again because when I when you look at like when you look at the stat line, Emory Jones threw for 195 yards and no touchdowns and one interception, which like kind of says to me they committed to the run and there's just nothing Alabama could do about it. And I don't know if that's an X's and O's thing. If that is that a is that a ta- It can't be a talent thing. I don't think. And so, is what is doing, is that a one-off situation that Bama's gonna have to deal with? Or is that something that teams can replicate you know, going forward and that Alabama will have, have a little bit of a weak spot, a chink in the armor?
0: Yeah, they call that the blueprint game, right? Like, is this the blueprint to beat Alabama? And obviously, in college football especially, you need the players, you need the talent along with a blueprint to beat a team like Alabama. But I think it's a good point because those last three quarters, if you're an Alabama fan, are a little concerning because you're used to, all right, you get a huge lead. This is no problem at all. Don't worry about it. Count the win, but it, it was a little concerning. The good news for Alabama, though, is their offense is still very, very good. And that's kind of the, the trend that we've seen with Alabama in the last five years is they just have playmakers everywhere. And they bring in five-star recruits, and it's like, who's the next – Alabama guy well it's Mechie it's Bryce Young it's you know it's everybody like they they just dominate and I don't know but it just it does feel a little different though and that game kind of showed maybe maybe there is a way to beat these guys
1: and I will say Florida gave them a game last year or I, I should say they got it within seven I believe uh but it didn't I don't think it ever felt close. This one felt like Florida. Like you said, if they play five more minutes, had them. And whether it's good for Bama, good for Florida, I don't know. What it is good for is college football because now it's very clear there is no runaway winner. It, it, I mean, we saw Georgia get tested by a what looks like a mediocre Clemson team. Bama struggles with Florida. Ohio State looks like no good. Oregon looks fine. It, it could be any number of 10 teams that could win it all.
0: Yeah, and that's why this is going to be a great college football year, we think, and we hope. Um, we'll have to I'll, – I'll have to give Mike a call, and maybe he, we can hire him to our Dana Analytics team, you know, because obviously last week we had a – the guy was on vacation, and, you know, we might have to look elsewhere. So I'll, I'll make sure I reach out to him and see if we can get him on salary, on payroll here at this – beautiful hedging happiness podcast that we have (laughs) huge budget we have here uh so let's go into our picks right i i'll go i finish two and two which let's be honest everyone who's listening two and two is such a win for me with how i started it i was on the verge too of three and one so my two wins cincinnati minus three and a half we both had them very very nervy game right they they come out of the gates so slow and we thought they would come out of the game fast, right? This is a first big game. This is Cincinnati's year. The teams are struggling. They're not gonna have a letdown game. And the first half was as big of a letdown as you could get, yet they stayed in it. They stuck to their game plan. And at the end of the day, I guess with the final scoreline, they they won comfortably and covered the spread comfortably. And I think, you know, they're undefeated. They're, they're looking good. And that's same with my next win, which was Iowa. This was kind of a late backdoor cover for me as well. They scored, you know, last maybe six minutes of the fourth quarter, but they've, they've got a decent defense. They won 30-7, to seven, covered the 22-and-a-half by that half point, uh, which is great news for me. And then the two games I lost, we talked about Oklahoma. We don't need to go into them. They, they, they stink. We They're on, they're on my no-touch list for a while now. <laughs> and then my other game was the underlying dog, Virginia Tech, they were dead in the water for the whole game. And they're down 13 points with about five minutes left. They go and score. Then they get the ball back with about two minutes, get all the way down to West Virginia's four, line, four yard line. They have four yards to get to get a touchdown and to win me this money line game. Four straight plays, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And that one hurt. That one hurt because that's the difference between three and one with an underdog money line win and two and two. So that one stung a little bit, but again, like I said, I'm happy with two and two. I'll take it. It's a building block for this upcoming week, and it's uh, a little bit of momentum, if you will.
1: When you, uh, so what? it's never a good sign when you open the show and say, "Oh, I had a a bounce back week," but that bounce back week was actually just two and two, and you lost juice. So. You went 2 and 2. Overall record I believe now is 5 and 9. Not ideal, right? I went 1 and 3 last week. Overall record 5 and 8. And look, I don't want to get into my picks, right? They were bad. They were it was Oklahoma, Bama, Kentucky and really in the second half wasn't in any of them. I can't see the board clearly. I have it's m- fuzzy,
0: fuzzy board, fuzzy board. I can't. We've got drunk goggles on right now. And, so so much drunk goggles.
1: And so what? What? What do you? This is a good learning experience for us. For anyone listening, getting into betting, I think, and I'll test it out. What you do when you get into these situations is retreat into what you know, right? So for me, that's going to be pure sec and or maybe a notre dame game because i i do track them even though i don't necessarily cheer for them and if that doesn't work i will retreat into just tennessee games i i i'm lost i need to find my way i feel like no matter where i turn in the forest it's a long way out and so this week is going to be very much a, a come to jesus week for me it's a bankroll management week for sure
0: it's pitch black you're cold <laughs> your mom isn't close to you you're asking for help no one's coming to coming to save you trust me pal i i'm in the same boat all right and the good news is we have each other all right we're gonna struggle together and we're gonna get out of this together and Yeah, that is
1: the blind leading the blind i'll tell you what
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great way to put it and you know what we'll get out of this still though i i'm, I'm confident in it all right but like you said bankroll management I think that's a good point, though. Too, we we should say, for anyone who is betting, just to make sure you bet responsibly, right? Like we're, we're all doing this for fun, and don't ever put yourself in a place of jeopardy with your bankroll. It should always be for fun, and just at the end of the day, gamble responsibly. I think we should, for sure, put that out there for anyone who who is listening. And uh, Elena, Elena, okay, piggyback on that.
1: No, I I was gonna go right to Elena. Elena coming in at three and two. God bless her. She was losing her first game and texted me, "I'm going to go 0 and 5." And I said, "I don't want to hear it. I'm actually 1 and 3. You know, you don't know pain yet." And then lo and behold, her whole day turns around. She goes 3 and 2. Funny story. I'm I'm calculating cuz she bet through me, so I'm calculating how much I need to, you know, pay her on on Sunday for her winnings, and I I think I texted her like 18 bucks. Right, she went three and two. She lost some juice. She texts me back, eighteen bucks. Eighteen bucks. That's it. I went three and two. It should be twenty bucks, right? And that was a very good learning experience as well. Is that that's how that's how they make their money, right? They don't give you if you bet twenty, you don't win twenty. You'll win eighteen. Eighteen. Right. So, uh, a, a very sobering experience for her. But at least she got to learn it. In a positive way
0: yeah so yeah to that point too so whenever you go one and one and say you bet $20 you're gonna end up losing about two bucks because you're gonna win 18 on your bet and you're gonna lose 20 the bet 18 on the bet you won and 20 on the bet you lost but but my brother Matt texted me too and he was like Elena's picks were fire this week (laughs) I was like yeah I know right good for her good for her Our, our guests are killing it and Luke and I are out here struggling in the pitch pitch black but um, congrats Elena on your $18. I am happy for you. Um, I think that's the first
1: the first winning week for anyone across any week on hedging happiness.
0: So what you're trying to say is we have become a fade podcast. So we we are giving winning picks. They're just what the opposite of what we're saying.
1: For all those people out there that hate the podcast think it's so dumb like there's a way to make money off of that too right if you don't like us like we're actually very good at picking the wrong team so you can you can uh it can be a positive experience
0: we're one of the the best at picking the wrong teams <laughs> all right let's get into our interview with max Lakowecki here max first of all welcome to hedging happiness how, how do you feel about being on the show
2: I'm excited, a little disappointed I wasn't the first guest chosen based on uh, friendship and just knowledge in all things sports, but I'm very excited to be here with you guys.
1: We did it based on uh, good looks, so coming in third is actually not so bad.
2: Yeah, that's fine, and supposedly this podcast lasts many years. I'm way up there in terms of looks, so that's, that's good.
0: Our two male podcasts, I don't know if there's a... You know connection between them, but both are arguably starting to lose their hair. I know Mike is starting to lose his hair, and based on the looks of you right now, I I don't know. Do you have what do you what's your what's the product you got going on right now?
2: Uh, just no product. Trying not to do anything to damage whatever hair I have left at the moment. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research. My mom's getting on me to maybe start using Rogaine. That's maybe your first first plug here, but. I haven't, haven't uh, jumped on that train yet. This is all natural. Funny enough, I, uh, when I was uh,
1: single, I used Hims the finasteride pills. And then when I started dating, uh, stopped it because you're getting married, you're dating, you're getting married, who cares at that point, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I've heard on the street that you lose your sex drive if you start taking that stuff for too long. So, it's like, do I want to have hair and then not be able to get an erection, or do I want to have an erection and have no hair? It's catch-22.
0: <laughs> what a predicament that yep. is, right? Yep. I, I love your thought process on that, and it, that's a tough question to answer, but it sounds like you have put some thought into it, and um, we, I respect that. At the end of the day, I respect it. All right, so a little bit about Max here max grew up in evansville indiana attended the wright's memorial school where wow he scored 79 goals and had 39 assists in high school and correct me here you were a state champion your freshman year in
2: 2008 yep back-to-back state champs freshman and sophomore year
0: back-to-back state champs so Mm -hmm. pretty pretty fantastic uh stats there in high school you then went on to go to Notre Dame, where we all met and played soccer there. Where you had eight goals, nine assists. Not as good, uh, maybe <laughs> higher higher quality. Position change. Uh, you also became a national champion there. So you, you're basically you're a winner wherever you go. After college, you got selected 25th overall by my team now, Real Salt Lake. Uh, later that. Preseason, you were signed with the Real Monarchs, where you went on to win the Supporter Shield in 2017. Uh, for those non-soccer fans who are unfamiliar with the Supporter Shield is whoever has the best record in the regular season. So Max was the best in the regular season, uh, but not in the postseason. And then you went, on to, <laughs> you went on to sign with the Tampa Bay Rowdies the next year after that Supporter Shield uh, campaign. One year there, you took a year off with backroads, um, not soccer related. And then after that, you went back to the Tampa Bay Rowdies where you find yourself now. And in that last season, you made it all the way to the postseason championship to kind of redeem those, you know, those haunting memories from not making it with the Monarchs. And unfortunately, that game was canceled due to covid why don't you just talk about yourself a little bit?
2: Well, I uh, appreciate that wonderful interview or introduction. Um, yeah, it still, still hurts that the game got canceled to miss out on a, on a final. Um, as you can imagine, putting a lot of hard work in and to have it canceled really sucks. But um, I found myself uh, working with back rows, and so I was able to come back to soccer God, that sounds so stupid. Um, <laughs> I didn't find myself. I just took a year off because I was tired of playing soccer for a year and wanted to travel and meet some new people and did that and missed competing. So I came back to play here at Tampa where I really enjoy playing and have a lot of good friends on the team. Um, and We're having another successful year here now, so hopefully we can make another postseason push. And like you said um, – make up for the game that we missed last year and hopefully finish the whole thing off as USL champions.
0: Yeah, and as you said, you, you guys are having a great year. I think you guys just set the consecutive game shutout record um, within a season at eight games. Yep. And as a defender, that's obviously something to be proud of, uh, keeping the ball in the net. But let's get back into your backroads. You took a year off of playing soccer to go to backroads. Why don't you tell the listeners what backroads is? Kind of, you alluded to it a little bit. Why you took a year off and went, you know, went a different career route, really, within backroads.
2: Yeah. So actually, funny enough, Notre Dame connection. Um, you guys may know our good friend Shauna Pugliese, and I don't actually know that anybody knew her last name in college, but that is it. Um, and she played lacrosse and um, we've been good friends for a while and I saw that she was posting so many pictures like all over the world and all over the country traveling a ton and so I asked her what she was doing. She said she worked for this active travel company called Backroads. Essentially this is a company that takes any guests from anywhere from 10 to 15 guests um, on trips usually centered around national parks but not always um, and they are kind of controlled active travel vacations. So um, usually you're on a bike and you're traveling daily, you know, 15, 20 miles. You have a picnic and then you stay, you know, usually in some sort of lodging um, each night, but it's kind of week long trips at a time. And um, she said it's just a great experience. You meet a lot of really great people. And um, the best part is your, your office is. You know, out in the wild, you're in national parks, like you, um, like I mentioned before. So being from Indiana, not a lot of national parks there. So um, this was something that I've kind of always wanted to do was travel and um, see some new places, especially out west. And um, I found myself leading a lot of trips in Utah, which was um, kind of a not a homecoming, but had, had having spent two years there right out of college with uh, Real Salt Lake and the Real Monarchs. Um, I got to see a different side of Utah, and that was super rewarding. And like I said, met a lot of people that were not typical friends that I've had before, not huge sports junkies. Um, I remember the Women's World Cup final was on, and asking one of the guys, uh, one of the people I worked with, like, hey, you guys want to watch the game tonight? And they were like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And I was like, you know, like the Women's World Cup game, They're like, for World Cup for what? And I was like, for soccer. So that's, if that gives you any inclination of like the type of people that I was around. Uh, it was frustrating at times, but kind of refreshing most of the time. So yeah, it was great. I had a really, really good time.
1: You may have heard Mark, my brother is getting, or got engaged to Bridget, who's our other teammate's sister. I'm planning, I'm trying to plan like his bachelor party and I'm actually thinking like something along the line, lo- in the same vein of roads sounds, like interesting, is that something that I could do and not make it exactly a week, but maybe like four days?
2: Yeah, so I think what they typically do are the trips that you would you would um you would go on would be with other guests, but you can if you pay more, you can do a custom trip um and you can pick the length and uh obviously your group size usually it has to be i want to say at least ten people, um eight to ten. To make it Mark worth doesn't it. have
0: that many friends,
2: <laughs> so that might be a deal breaker for for Marky Mark. But um, if if you can come up with that kind of with more friends for Mark, so maybe just invite your friends and tell them that <laughs> tell Mark that they're Also,
0: Mark, if you want to invite me, feel free. I, I'm sure I I'm sure I'll be there.
2: Does Mark listen? Mark does listen. He has time for this, but he doesn't have time for our fantasy league. All right. It seems like this would be more of a time commitment than. Than our fantasy football league, but he didn't like it when we
1: when we introduced the uh, the real punishment to the league, since he was very used to getting last place. But
2: well, I'm the only one that's had to really do the real punishment. So, uh, and and I and I, I, I did it gladly, you know. Now we all know a little bit more about it was beautiful. My sex life, yeah. We so. we know a lot more about you, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you could definitely do that with backroads. I think that would be a possibility. Um, but typically, they only go from March through like October, so it's kind of kind of be in that time frame. They don't run a lot of trips in the winter.
1: Shifting gears a little bit, um, when we were at Notre Dame, you had a show uh, with one of our less talented friends, and I'm just kind of wondering how was you know how was your experience with that? What did you learn? What would you what you know wisdom would you impart on us and and just from me to you, how would you, how did you go about carrying the less talented friend?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly where I would start. with saying that uh, I kind of had to. We 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 had a uh, before it was even really a thing. I guess we, I would say we had a, a video blog. I don't know an interview series on YouTube, um, and it was me and Why as you, you plug mentioned, that? plug it, it right Max now. and Grant 1080 or Grant and Max 1080, I can't even remember. It should have been Max and Grant 1080 based on talent level and, like you said, me having to carry the show. Um, but essentially, we interviewed personalities, other student-athletes on Notre Dame's campus um, just to try to get some insider knowledge and to kind of further our interests in entertainment. And um, Grant, some weeks would show up, most weeks not. Um, And I'm talking figuratively, I just, he just sat there like a babbling idiot. And I had to kind of pick up the pieces and give the show some semblance of structure. Um, So uh, it was great. It was great. Knowledge that I would impart is enjoy the, you know, like you said, the time you get to spend together. You two being great friends. Coming up with a great idea for a podcast. Just to to shoot the shit for an hour at the very least. And hopefully you get some subscribers and followers and they learn a thing or two, make a few dollars here or there. I, that's one thing I can't say about the show that I had is I don't think anybody ever made any money off of ours. Um, but you guys, especially after my picks today, I think there's going to be some people walking away with a little extra cash in their pocket after this weekend.
0: Grant Max, it, it really is a entertaining show. I don't. I think that'll. I'll just leave it at that. I think that's a good word to put it entertaining. Um, so if you do have some. F- free time feel free to google or youtube that i think you'll enjoy it it's it is pretty funny let's let's get back into kind of your journey of you know playing soccer and and kind of what got you into soccer as a kid
2: so to start out i guess i like most of us joined a a rec league uh, when i was really young um probably five or six years old. I remember that being kind of my first soccer experience, but uh, maybe even prior to that, my dad, um, a lot of people maybe aren't unaware, but he played professionally um, as a goalie. So I wouldn't say the skill set really translated as much, but he was always an athlete growing up and my mom was fairly athletic as well. But um, they introduced me to soccer at a young age. And I think Um, having my dad, having friends from the Evansville, Indiana area where he grew up playing with a lot of their sons were around the same age as me. And so even though maybe some of them were older, I always kind of got put on their teams. And I would say that kind of sparked my interest and talent in soccer. I was always kind of playing against some older kids. And I think that probably made me better at a younger age. And then, Kind of like you said, moving on from there, I played pretty much every sport growing up, as I, as I know you guys did. Um So I also think that kind of helped with overall athleticism. I played basketball uh, my freshman year in high school, and then played tackle football from like fourth grade all the way to eighth grade. Um And, and I don't know if those stats are anywhere, but I'm for sure the all-time leading rusher in the, the Catholic School League. Um I think I had like I'm going to say somewhere around 8,000 rushing yards, 29 touchdowns, and I and I believe we only gave up a touchdown in the last game of the season to St. Teresa. So, um it was a a good a good time for me when I was a kid. I pretty much dominated all youth sports and then I didn't grow very much once I got to high school. So, uh I pretty much well, I look and weigh about the same.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong here, but St. Teresa, that sounds like an all-girls
2: school. It's not an all-girls school. <laughs> and actually, the school doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> so they were kind oh, of on the down and out. Uh, but hey, kudos to them for scoring a touchdown. They missed the PAT, um, blocked, and ran back for for two. So uh, just to add insult to injury. But it is what it is. The St. Teresa Red Devils, they'll be in history books forever, just like I will.
1: When uh, when did you – I mean, you're – You were definitely good at soccer growing up, right? Like, probably best on your team. But when did you realize, like, hey, like, I really think I could play at least in college? Like, was it like a a recruiting experience or was it, you know, a specific game or someone told you something?
2: So the University of Evansville, um, Purple Aces, has a men's soccer team, and they historically are very good, and I was fortunate enough to, once I probably got to the age of, you know, 7th or 8th grade. So kind of going into high school, I was coached by their head coach, um, he, uh, Marshall Ray. He coached, he coached our club team. And they started to kind of recruit me my freshman year of high school to go to the University of Evansville. And so that's how I kind of realized that college was definitely on my radar at a very early age. But I knew that I wanted to look at, you know, hopefully have more options come my way as I progressed through high school. Um, and I do remember specifically uh kind of being asked to play for an academy team out of Indianapolis which at that time I knew a lot of kids had made the jump to college soccer from there Um, and so it kind of seemed like a natural progression but I specifically remember you know wanting to go to a good academic school and then a school uh that also you know was good at soccer and had you know um competitive schedule and played in a good conference and when somebody suggested Notre Dame which is funny enough I had no idea Notre Dame was even in Indiana having gone to a football game in seventh grade they played the University of North Carolina and I rooted for the University of North Carolina pretty much based off of jersey color and having played a lot of NCAA basketball on PlayStation I was just a big uh Tar Heel fan at that point. Um, But the people who brought me were diehard Notre Dame fans and I kind of rooted in their face against the University of Notre Dame. But we were like six hours away from Evansville. It's on polar opposite ends of Indiana. So I just assumed we were in a different state. But I got recruited to Notre Dame. I remember uh, playing Awful, the game that uh, Bobby Clark, our head coach, came to the game and thinking like, well, that's it. Like there's no way I get into the University of Notre Dame. And then somehow I got an email like, three or four days later, and they thought that I played well enough to come for a visit. And so from there, went on a visit and stayed with you, Luke. Uh, Luke was my first introduction to the University of Notre Dame. Tough luck. Yeah. And, And obviously it worked out, so you did a great job.
0: So it obviously did work out. You had a very successful career at Notre Dame where you found yourself kind of a mainstay starting with your sophomore year. You went on to win a national championship the following year, your junior year. What was that like winning a national championship? Obviously, we were a part of it, but for our listeners who, you know, don't fully understand kind of what the the meaning behind being part of a team and winning a national championship might mean.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. I think I when I do talk about winning a national championship, the first thing I bring up now is like Playing alongside your best friends and getting to win something that you all had like worked for, and I think we all knew from kind of our early years at Notre Dame that we were a really talented group, and I think we had a real shot at winning a national championship, but to actually have it happen was something totally different um there's and, and having had success the years prior and kind of coming so close but uh you know missing out uh for a few different reasons um to put everything together that in 2013 was was awesome and then obviously all three of us played a big role in the team so that that obviously makes it even more special when you're actually you know you get to be out there on the field not to take anything away at all from the guys who who maybe didn't play as much or were younger at that time and we did it in kind of dramatic fashion which was Makes it even more exciting, you know? It's not like you're just watching a boring game um, unfold. At least not to us. It didn't feel that way. So uh, that also made it even better. And it was the first one. The first one at the University of Notre Dame. I think we all would agree that we played for a pretty great coach in college. One of the more unique guys and somebody who's been at it for a long time. And to help him win his first national championship was just another factor as well.
1: So yeah, we, we all like had very similar experiences, like winning. But I think what was different for, for you versus us is you were, I guess, talk about what happened to you uh, the week before the semifinal and then final, cause it's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I think what Luke's referring to is I had an injury going into the national championship game and actually I missed the semifinal. So for those unfamiliar with the college soccer national championship setup. There's a semi-final on Friday night, and then the national championship game is played um, Sunday afternoon. So you really are going on one day's rest in between. Um, but in, week, in the week leading up during practice, I uh, rolled my ankle non-contact. We were training indoor, um, and I just stepped weird and my foot caught the turf and rolled my ankle kind of as badly as i ever have um and i remember looking down and immediately there was like a golf ball size like swelling like inside my sock and couldn't really put any weight or pressure on it so um, our training staff went and got mri and whatever x-ray and all that stuff done immediately and there really wasn't anything um, fortunately anything structurally damaged but um, didn't bode well for for going into a game two days later Um, so we flew to philadelphia And leading up to it, I'm getting like all sorts of, you know, uh, muscle stimulators and icing it every three minutes and like just doing everything you can to possibly be ready. Um, And I even took some very high powered legal steroids. Um, (laughs) At least that's what I was told. And tried to get ready to play, went through the warm up and basically just couldn't make it. And um, fortunately, that was just another tip. of the cap to how deep our team was back then because one of our friends, Connor Miller, stepped in and played unbelievable, really. I think he didn't even skip a beat, and the team that night put together a very just all-around really great performance from top to bottom. I think everybody played well and made quick work of New Mexico but i still was hoping that with the, give that night and then a full day's rest saturday that i would maybe be available for the game and any reasonable person would probably have just ruled me out at that point but our coach was a pretty stubborn guy and i think he, one thing that i would say about him is that when you're in that group of 11 or you're in his his hit in the mix he uh he really sticks by you and really wants you you know to be in that group um so fortunately for me in that situation he was going to give me every chance to kind of become available for Sunday's game in the national championship and round two of steroids and uh, a very heavy tape job I looked more like a cast I had to wear a different size cleat um one size up to fit my in there and more or less i just kind of played as a cone on the field and if anybody knows my playing style and even luke's playing style and the way we played at that time we had we were both outside backs and we would just kind of bomb on and get into the attack and i love playing that way but there was no way i could in that game and i don't remember ever really crossing the halfway line and thank god the the like fittest guy in the world at that time, Evan Pankin played in front of me and just basically did all the extra defensive work for me in that game. And I kind of just yelled at him to help me out. And I made a few clearances and we won. And uh, I didn't lose the national championship for our team and I didn't have to live with that for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, it was a, a great memory, but I definitely wouldn't say I was myself in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's like something not many people can say, that you played in a national championship final and you won. And for your sake, for our sake, thank goodness you did, because th- those are the kind of memories that you'll you'll talk about forever. And part of that, you know, you could argue you being such a great player, it led to a very, very successful college career, which then led you getting into drafted by Real Salt Lake, Getting signed by the Real Monarchs, where just in your second year, you went on to win the supporter shield, which is obviously a hard task. Winning, having the most points, the best record in the regular season throughout, you know, a nine, eight, eight eight to nine month season is, is, like I said, no easy task. Which championship slash title league supporter, w- which one means more to you?
2: I would say for sure the national championship in college. And for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, but mainly the one of just being with uh, your best friends. And, you know, I think we would all agree that college is such a unique time. You rarely get to play at an extremely high level with also people who happen to be your your, your best buddies. So, you know, for it to be the first championship and it to be the actual, the big one, you know, it's it'd be one thing, you know, I, I kind of we kind of felt that way um, the year prior to winning the national championship at Notre Dame. We were the number one seed in the tournament and then to get beat, you know, ultimately and not win that, the whole thing kind of leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. So as proud as I am of winning the Supporter Shield with, you know, with the Monarchs um, and then even winning an Eastern Conference Championship last year, when you don't get to finish the whole thing off, I think it, it, it just it's not as satisfactory. So I would definitely say um, our national championship at Notre Dame was for sure my my greatest sports memory.
1: It's what, our, it's what our coach used to say, right? Like at the end of the year, there can only be one happy team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But hopefully, I'll change it this year.
0: Right. So that's that was going to bring me to my next point is you're, you're, you went to Tampa for a year. You took a year off. Now you're back with Tampa. When you decided to come back to Tampa Bay Rowdies, why didn't you release a Derrick Rose The Return campaign?
2: That's a great question, and I probably because I don't have any any real talented people working in the media department, um, not at the Rowdies, but for 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 my for my own personal brand. and And looking back, that's a huge missed opportunity, and I'm very upset with myself. But you live and you learn, you know. It's not too late, is it? I'm I'm kind of dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, so maybe this will just be like a mid-season comeback.
1: Or right before you start using Rogaine, you know, so the return of the hairline, maybe Huge, something like that. Yeah,
2: I just got to disappear. I kind of got to go zero dark thirty off social media and then come back in full force, and people will just be like, "Oh, I guess." Did he ever? Did he ever? Was he or ever? Brian using
0: Urlacher. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Drew Brees on you know, Monday or Sunday night football or whatever it is. He, he's got a full head of hair again. So it's possible. I also think maybe I'll just get my head tattooed like Travis Barker or something.
0: I wouldn't recommend that, but as you, you just mentioned Drew Brees and we were talking about Jason and these guys that kind of made this comeback on TV. You are, you know, one of the funniest guys that I've I've ever met and you're very talented in front of a camera and obviously, we, we were roommates in college. We were roommates here for a year in Salt Lake City. And we've had some of our conversations. And you've mentioned this idea of, you know, your dream job of being on Saturday Night Live. I was just curious, like, what, what do you see yourself doing post-soccer, you know, five, ten years from now?
2: Honestly, I have no idea. I really have no idea. I mean, I think the having SNL as a dream job, I, I think probably still feels that way, just like a dream. Um, But you never know. I think the tough part about the entertainment industry and trying to break into something like that is it's very hit or miss. And sometimes really talented people don't find their way in that industry based on things out of their control. And as you both know, uh, professional sports is kind of similar. A lot of the success that you have, and that's not to take anything away from the guys who have tons of success or do really well, but a lot of it's finding yourself in a good situation people who are willing to support you, the right system, all that stuff factors in. And having dealt with that for the last five or six years of of my career post-college, that can kind of get exhausting at times. So I I don't know that I I necessarily want to dive right into another venture that is going to be just as dicey or one that's not as clear-cut, you know, other jobs that people do. You work hard. There's a clear progression of where you can you can make it and where you see yourself. And you can be an incredibly talented personality, actor, singer, whatever it is, and not find success for ten years or whatever you know or ever. So we'll see. I don't know. It'll just just depend on how much courage I have uh, once I call it quits here with soccer. What I what I what I want to do. But I always think that I'll maybe hopefully do something creative uh, because ultimately whether it's in front of in front of tons of people or making lots of money it's just i just enjoy being creative so hopefully at the very least doing something like that
0: yeah and i think for those who don't know max i again i'm going to plug the grant and max 1080 because if you do want to kind of get to know some of his creative side and his humor he he really is fantastic in front of the television and I, I you know whatever you end up doing you'll you'll be great at just because you have a infectious Appreciate personality. That. Uh so that's yeah, of course, man. Get that writing. Of course. Let's get into week 3. We have two games that we're going to preview Enough here. of that
1: mushy stuff. Let's get into week 3. <laughs> this is what
2: I came to talk football.
0: Yeah, let's get into let's get into the the money making stuff, right? This what hedging happiness is all about. Luke, why don't you take the SEC matchup?
1: Yeah, so first we have number seven Texas A&M versus number 16 Arkansas and this game is actually going to be played at AT AT&T Stadium which is the uh, the Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas so we should expect you know the crowd to be split pretty 50-50. I think in this game for me what I want to see is is Arkansas for real? They blew the doors off Texas and Really haven't had a test since then. A&M, you know, contrasting, hasn't really played anybody yet and hasn't looked necessarily great. Sort of a vintage A&M underachieving team. And so here you have a very exciting Arkansas team um, trying to reassert themselves in the SEC West against a unknown maybe Texas A&M team, especially with their, their quarterback issues.
0: Yeah, and I think that'll be an exciting game, right? Both undefeated SEC teams, like you said, is Arkansas for real? Does Texas A&M have a claim to being a top three, top four team? And I think this game will say a lot about who is for real, right? Another game that we'll preview is not necessarily about who is for real. It is going to be a classic Midwest battle at Soldier Field which is where the Chicago Bears play. Number 12, Notre Dame takes on. Number 18, Wisconsin. All three of us, obviously, we went to Notre Dame. We've talked about that. I am not high on this Notre Dame team. I think it's going to be a great game, though, right? It doesn't mean I can't root just as hard just because I don't think they're as good. I think Wisconsin might be a little down this year. And the fact that we're playing at Soldier Field 10 a.m.? 11 a.m.?
1: 11 a.m. Central Time. 11
0: a.m. Central Time, early morning football game in Chicago. I just think that's going to be an exciting game, right? Like, can Notre Dame stay undefeated? Or Is their season going to start to unravel? Because they've shown that they're not the quality of team we've seen the last couple years. They haven't been, you know, the solid team. They obviously haven't been able to compete with the top dogs, but they've been very solid. This year, they haven't looked as solid, and I, again, I just think this is going to be like a classic, like, this is a Big Ten matchup game. Like, Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten, but damn near they should be, because they're not very exciting. They play kind of that Big Ten style of football, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be rooting for them hard. What do you think about this game, Max?
2: Well, one, Wisconsin's coming off a bye week, so, you know, they've had a little while to prepare for this game, an extra week. This guy should be fresh. Um, I, te- I texted you last week. I I am also not very um, as you said high on this Notre Dame team. Um, I actually texted you last week and said these guys stink. Um, all these kids suck and they're losers. And um, and that's harsh because these kids are just they're just out there trying their best. And I'm sure I would be friends with a lot of them if I knew them. But um, at the end of the day they got to win football games, right? And um I don't see them coming out on top in this one. I think they'll actually play a lot better than I'm expecting them to. I, I kind of feel like they're going to go out there and they could get get demolished. Uh, I don't know why I feel that way, but I think they actually might put together a pretty good game and then who knows? They got a, another tough matchup that next week, so
0: that's a great way to kind of hedge your take there, right? Like they're going to they're going to get demolished, but also like I think they're going to do pretty well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the life of a Notre Dame fan.
0: It is. I. That's. It's just very, very smart from you, right? Because when when we chat next week, you're going to be like, yeah, I told you. Like, yeah, they got demolished. Or, yeah, they. I told you they were going to play well. I,
2: I really hope they win this one. because, But I need them to lose at some point so they don't make it to the college football playoff. Because we've been there too many times. We already know from watching them that there's absolutely no chance they can win. A national championship so like let's let's not get there and get absolutely run over so i I wouldn't mind a respectable loss like cincinnati or something like that um i obviously don't want to see them lose to like a really crap team but i mean we we all know let's just let's not dance around it they're not that good sure
0: well let's get into the likes then uh luke you have a little bit of interest in this game as well so let's take on your perspective with your likes
1: yeah so I, like I said, was in the forest trying to find my way out. And what I'm deciding to do right now is just run 100 miles an hour in one direction. I might run face first (laughs) into a tree. I might slip and fall (laughs) into some water. But I'm going to run as hard as I can out of this forest. And with that, the the metaphor sets up for what I'm calling the all-day underdog parlay. (laughs) and and so so what that what does that entail all day i have an 11 o'clock game a 2 30 game and a six o'clock game so i'll be hooked all day assuming it all goes well underdog i am not taking favorites in any of these games i i think i've taken nine of ten favorites uh in the year so far something something crazy like that and so no favorites Um, And then parlay. I I want they all need to happen for me to win. I don't want to do any of this. Win one game, decide to bet the next game, decide to bet the next game. I'm committing. I've already committed to it. My money's out there. It's all or nothing. So with that, there are three games. The first is the the Notre Dame Wisconsin game. The spread is Wisconsin minus five and a half. It's at a neutral site at Soldier Field in Chicago. 11 a.m. kickoff, and I have a few thoughts on why I'm a little bit higher on the Irish than than you guys might be. One, I think this is exactly the game that Brian Kelly makes his money. He probably has the inferior team. They're not coming off a great week a great last two weeks. Wisconsin's coming off a bye week. this is where you want to have the top a top five coach and I think it, I think it could pay off. Two, I think Notre Dame's basically playing. Not exactly a home game, but very, very close to it. I think it's going to be full of Notre Dame fans. Three, Wisconsin, un, for me, unknown. They lost to Penn State, uh, and then the other the other games will wash. Four, and actually, this is this is makes me a little bit concerned for the Irish. Is that as Max uh, referred to, they play Cincinnati the, the next week, and that would be a that will be a huge game if the irish stay undefeated it's at notre dame but i think i think coming to soldier field it, it'll have an air of um of like being in the present it'll be exciting it'll be new there won't be this look ahead effect um so i'm taking notre dame plus five and a half there the second game on the all day underdog parlay is the texas a&m arkansas game spread is texas a&m minus five and a half location at&t stadium cowboy stadium time 3 30 eastern time and here are my thoughts i don't really have a lot here i think a&m's a fraud i think jimbo might be a huge fraud there's so much momentum behind this arkansas program they are excited i don't know exactly how good they are i think they're about to run into a buzzsaw of a schedule they go a&m at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Auburn, consecutive weeks—that is brutal. But if you're gonna take them, you take them week one because they can't afford to look past those games. So I'm taking the I'm taking the hot team, I'm taking the underdog team, uh, and I'm, I'm I want the points. And then last but not least, the third leg of the parlay: Florida versus Tennessee. Florida, the spreads, Florida minus 19 and a half. The hits in Gainesville, uh, the swamp, and the game's at 7 p.m. at night. So this is the last night game where I'm, I'll be feeling pretty good if the other two legs hit. Thoughts on this one? The line opened up at 16 and a half last week, after the Bama game, moved to 19 and a half. I think it got up actually higher than that, and then settled at 19 and a half. I am predicting such a huge hangover game. For Florida, this is totally not X's and O's. I think Florida has better pieces, probably better coaching, and and looks in much more informed than any of us thought. But Tennessee basically had a bye week against Tennessee Tech last week, um, got healthy. This is a huge game. Like if you're a Tennessee coach, you beat Florida, Georgia, or Bama, and you are you are set. And as always, I love the opportunity for a backdoor cover. So plus Tennessee plus nineteen and a half to to close out the all day underdog parlay.
0: Just a, such an aggressive parlay, and I, I just I respect it. It's a you know you got to win three games, and with our luck that not our luck, with our track record so far, winning three games is a Hail Mary. But I I I, I do I respect it. I respect your courage. I can't wait. Ideally, you win the first two games and you are going to be a train wreck for a variety of reasons going into that Tennessee night game. But all the best to you. It's something different and we need something different at this point. So Max, let's get into your like then.
2: All right. My like is, and I don't have any real real great reason other than I just think think UCLA got really lucky in their win over LSU. I don't think LSU is very good. But I'm taking Stanford money line in that game. You know what? I don't. I just think they're going to win, and uh, and I like it.
0: I respect that. That's so. So a little pointer for this podcast basically is: if you like a team and you don't really have too many X's and O's or analytics to get, to give, you just got to say it feels
2: right. It feels so that's right. That's all
0: you got to say. It feels right.
2: It feels right. It's in. It's at Stanford. And you know what? I think I think Stanford they're they're two and one. I think they're going to turn a little bit of a corner in the, in the Pac-12. Do I think they're really good? No, but I think that's a game that they're going to.
0: Sure. And for some background, I think Stanford is a plus five and a half underdog, and it's a plus hundred and eighty underdog money line. So that means if you bet a uh, hundred dollars, you win a hundred and eighty back. Uh, so that's a you know it's a little risky pick, but. I, I don't mind it. Again, I don't think UCLA is maybe quite the team that we all think they were coming off that LSU game. I will get into my like. Talked about it last week. I'm going to talk about it again. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. They look pretty good. They look, yeah, yeah I'll say pretty good. You know, they beat a good an okay Iowa State team rivalry game. They covered the spread for me last week, and... As we mentioned, there's sometimes the, there, there's these teams that just get hot and can cover spreads. And I'm going to ride Iowa until they don't cover a spread. So, Iowa, number five, Iowa, they play Colorado State. Spread is minus 23. This is a home game, Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium. Again, the, it, ride till I die. You know, Iowa is a very, very good team. And Colorado State is not good. We mentioned last week on the podcast that they lost to Vanderbilt, who is a very poor football team. They came back last week. They beat Toledo, who gave Notre Dame, you know, a very challenging game. I think this is a back-to-reality game, right? They're coming up number five team, a very, very good Iowa team, and they're they're going to be in for a rude awakening come come Saturday. Going to the Loves, I'll start. We've talked about this game, Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. I have Notre Dame plus five and a half. The only reason, I want to make sure this is clear. The only reason that they are my love is not because I feel confident that they're gonna cover the spread. It's just because I love Notre Dame. And love and love, that's that's what's gonna go into this this game. I'm gonna be watching this game. It's it's gonna be I, I I kind of mark this down as a Jack Cohn revenge game, right? A graduate transfer from Wisconsin. If you have two relatively even teams who kind of play a similar style, let's let's kind of pick out this feel thing, right? What can we distinguish between the two teams? Revenge. And that's Jack Cohn's revenge game. I'm not very high on him. I rather I would wish they'd play the freshman quarterback, but you know, when I give out a pick and I can say it's a revenge game, it sounds really good. Notre Dame plus five and a half. What about you max this
2: is my this is my love this is your love all right my love my love my love
1: We should get you to voice over our, our love picks with that <laughs> yeah,
2: that's actually a really good idea um, my love is Michigan state I Think that they're playing pretty well right now. They've got some. They've got some big wins. Nobody saw them doing very well in, in the Big Ten this year. Um, are they huge wins? No. But are they pretty solid wins? Yes. They've beat Northwestern to start the year. I don't know how good Northwestern is. They had a. They were really good last year. Maybe they lost a lot of a lot of guys to the NFL. I'm not or graduation. I'm not sure. But Michigan State minus five over nebraska i think they're gonna do that i think that's i love that i I don't think i think nebraska sucks they have nothing there other than our friend brian talcott who came from nebraska it's it's a absolute crap hole of a place (laughs) um they're gonna stomp all over them so minus five that's easy and you can take that to the bank
0: this has been, become such an anti-hate Nebraska podcast, and I love it. I'm all for it. Luke, you, you don't have a love this week. My love
1: is for the parlay.
0: Your love is <laughs> for the parlay and for your fiancé. I respect that. You're taking the week off. Why don't you get into your lock, then?
1: My lock this week is uh, Kentucky uh, at South Carolina. The spread is Kentucky minus 5.5, and, a half, and they're, um, they're playing in Columbia. This this sort of goes against like what I usually think about tight SEC spreads. Usually, you should always take the home dog. So if you're interested in in fading me, I'd highly recommend the the South Carolina money line play. Look, I Kentucky slipped up last week big time. Like they struggled at home against University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Like unacceptable. That was my lock. Uh, and, or sorry, that was my love and, or like, and total, total embarrassment. I'm hoping it was a look ahead game and they sort of wrote that one off and just struggled, or maybe they gave something really vanilla. But I think Kentucky's a real team. I think Mark Stoops is a very, very solid coach, and I think he's going to have everyone out to play against South Carolina. Um, so take Kentucky minus five and a
0: half. I like it. You're back on the, you haven't not taken Kentucky. They let you down last week, but. You're confident in them. They're the one team that you feel good about. So let's keep riding them. And I, I think that's a good place to be with kind of how fuzzy the board is, as we mentioned earlier. Max, what is your lock?
2: My lock is, and and hear me out. Fresno State money line over UNLV. All right, and 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 we. We've crunched the numbers on this and I just I feel like I need to gain the trust of the listeners and I wanna for sure get an invitation back and this is why it's my lock. If you were to pick a game like this every week, and I think and I think Nick you, you texted me earlier and said you need to put down eight grand to make hundred dollars on this and I feel that confident that if I had eight grand I would definitely do that. And if you have eight grand, you should. And if you find a game like this every week, you do that every week of the college football season, and what do you know, come Christmas time, you've got $1,200 in your bank account. Easy, no risk at all, take it to the bank. And you know what, you know who went to Fresno State and he's a baller, Devontae Adams. They probably got the next Devontae Adams on their team right now, Fresno State money line.
0: I love it. We we do need a surefire pick, and that certainly seems like a surefire pick. For any listeners who were to put down eight thousand, if they were to lose, would you fund them at all in this pick, or you going to back them to that, or you just? I don't even have.
2: It's not even a question. I don't have to answer that. But yeah, I will. You know what? I will. If if we get any callers who come in and say that they put down eight grand to win a hundred, give me their name and number. And I will compensate them. I'll give them like five hundred dollars back. <laughs> I'll hedge five hundred on that, just, like just for pure risk.
0: And that is your lock of the week. Great confidence. So are you there saying are, are you saying
1: that you should take Fresno State money line and bet whatever you want? Or Are you saying you should take Fresno State money line and bet eight thousand dollars?
2: You can if you want to make more than a hundred, then you definitely bet more than eight thousand. Based on my strategy. Do the eight grand, find another game similar to that next week. Just look for a hundred dollar payout every week for twelve weeks, and that's twelve hundred if my math's correct.
0: That that would be correct. Um, I think maybe even a little bit more. But for those two who might be a little lost here, Fresno State is a thirty point five point favorite against UNLV. So the safety in this pick, it should be there. It absolutely should hit. That's why it's 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 pretty funny that this is the lock of the week.
2: It's that classic classic matchup at Bulldog Stadium. Uh, everybody loves Bulldog Stadium.
0: I think this will help out the guest record for the lock of the week. Maybe not yeah, so no much. <laughs> maybe not so
2: much the unit,
0: the plus and the minus and the unit size, but the record will certainly look good. On to me, last lock of the week. I've got Memphis versus University of Texas San Antonio. The spread here is minus three. I've got Memphis minus three. This is a home game at the Liberty Bull Memorial Stadium. My thoughts on this game is kind of what Luke alluded to earlier, is get back to what you know. And for me, I pride myself in these mid-major games, these find the diamond in the rough, the army, right? It, It would have been army, and I was... I was so close to choosing Army this week, but they did let me down a couple weeks ago. They actually, I was following them last week. They had another backdoor cover, which they absolutely shouldn't have let happen. So I couldn't quite go Army this week. So I kept searching, and I found Memphis. And they play, like I said, uh, Texas-San Antonio. They're undefeated so far. They have a pretty decent win in beating Illinois. Memphis has a big win, being Mississippi State. My whole thought process here is, I absolutely think Memphis is just a a much, much better team than Texas San Antonio. They've shown that they're a pretty good program the last five years. And I do not think three points is enough at home. What's the old saying? Like, whenever you play a home game, you get three points due to home field advantage. So if you take that to heart, this is basically a pick 'em game. And I just don't see these teams being 50-50. So I'll take the 3 point home cushion. I think they're going to win by double digits to be honest. Um, so that's my lock of the week. Wish us luck and we will let everybody know how we do next week obviously.
1: Max, if you're uh if my parlay hits, I'll put all the winnings on Fresno State for you.
2: Frick yeah. That sounds awesome. And that's a 100 that's an easy 100. Or, you know, hope
1: it's what it's way less (laughs) way
0: less (laughs) all right that's yeah that's our picks for this week like i said wishes luck we will finish the show with our weekly snake draft this week we are doing the best college football helmets this should be interesting um to recap last week we did the best favorite things to come with fall if you went to the twitter page there was a vote I don't wanna say that I felt confident in it, but the votes speak for themselves and I took the victory from last week. I do think it was due to my super pick, due to Mishu's uh, disliking in that pick, but I did get some feedback that that was a great pick. Anyways, on to this week's college football helmets.
1: We're just gonna we're just gonna brush over the fact that it was a sample size of two votes. Well,
0: we're we're still <laughs>
1: And it's unclear it's unclear whether it was your girlfriend and your girlfriend. I can mom. almost
0: guarantee you it was not my girlfriend, but I don't know who the other person was. I wasn't one of the votes, I will say that. It doesn't matter, the votes speak for themselves. I guess that's a plug to kinda get some engagement. Go to the Twitter when we post our snake draft on Instagram. The Twitter is at hedge underscore happiness and just vote you know we 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 want some more votes we want more than two it would make us feel better at least even if i don't win it would certainly make me feel better but um hopefully with max on we will get some more votes let's get into the snake draft max why don't you choose a number between one and three Mm, there's no right or wrong answer okay you're gonna go third (laughs) luke why don't you choose a number between one and two two all right i'll go first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see what i did there you see what i did there that's brilliant for me all right with my first pick this is a no-brainer i can't believe i just wrote myself into this it's going to be the all gold notre dame fighting irish all-time classic helmet tradition it's just the the helmet pops right even if you're not a fan of notre dame you watch them play and you're like man those helmets look nice
2: is it so that's still true pick. there are little gold flakes in the helmet
0: Yes. I'll
1: tell you what, though. I think mm. <laughs> when Brian Kelly joined, they added like a little more. It looks definitely golder than it did like when like the Charlie We, we- Weiss and you know whoever was before that era. They're like it's, it definitely sparkles a little more, and that's not some stupid like there's a little more shine or whatever. Yeah, no, it's actually it actually is sparklier.
2: Yeah, it pops. Bef- and before we move on from from this great pick, thank you. Um... I just like to say, and maybe get your guys' thoughts on this. We need to, Notre Dame needs to dump Under Armour. We're losing recruits left and right to schools with much more swag than we do. Notre, Under Armour is the dying brand. Only your dad's best friends wear it at the at your at your barbecue. Nobody wants nobody. All the kids on TikTok and stuff they're they're wearing Nike and Adidas. Nobody comes out there wearing Under Armour. We need to get out of this deal. Jack, Swarby, if you can hear me, find a way to get out of that deal. It's atrocious. Let's, let's go to Nike, and all of a sudden you'll see these, these elite athletes from the South and from the West Coast finding their way to South Bend because they want to wear some dope-looking shit.
0: <laughs> Great insight. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Luke, you're up second.
2: All right, I've got a hot
1: take on, on helmets that I'll share after the draft is done so that my picks aren't influenced. But I'm going to take at number two uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions helmet. I think I was debating between this one and Alabama. I wanted something old school. Um, but this, I mean, it doesn't get much more simple than a blue line down the center of the helmet with an all-white helmet. Just give me classic. Tradition. Eight. Give me a classic. Don't change it. You're doing all the right things, Penn State.
0: Tradition. I like it. Can't go wrong with that. Max, pick three. You've got two picks here. As we we don't want to get lost in the snake like Atlanta did last week. So you've got two picks here.
2: Huge. Um, yeah, I think as much as I absolutely hate to do it, but growing up, I always thought they were pretty sweet, and I didn't have any real allegiance um, to this to their rival school. I gotta go with Michigan. The the Wolverines, the their their helmets pretty iconic. I don't know that anybody else has that that design, and if they do, they're they're copying it. But, um, it's a pretty sweet little deal they got going on there.
0: Yeah, that was on my list too. I d- I didn't want to pick it because again, the big rival of Notre Dame, but they do have pretty sweet helmets.
2: Yeah, so let's just skip over that, and um, my next pick is uh, actually going to be the texas longhorns dang
1: good pick that was mine
2: yeah i really i think i think they have one of the the more unique color uh you know patterns uh in in college football i don't don't know what exactly you would how you classify that color of orange but um it just it's awesome it's simple longhorn sign michigan and texas
0: good pick good pick their pantone is pms 159 by the way Data analytics guy is
2: back. That's how my stylist.
1: All right, I'm. uh, I think I'm on the fifth pick now. Correct. I'm going with the Miami Hurricanes helmet, and though I think they could work a hurricane somewhere into the helmet, I don't know how. The fact that they just put a U on there when it has nothing to do with Miami is just like a big middle finger to to everyone else, right? We are U. That's uh, and then and then they have good color color scheme as well. Um, so Miami with the fifth pick.
0: Similar to Texas too, right? White helmet, green and orange, very simple, but they do put their stamp on with the U, and a lot of schools try to claim that, but no one can quite claim it like Miami. I've got two picks here. I'm going to go with, oh man, I'm going to go with the Ohio State Buckeyes, the silver helmet with I don't know, with the sycamores or whatever they put, they're, the stickers that they put. They're buckeyes. <laughs> Classic. Right? That's, that's what our, I said, right? That's our that, that's our
1: research team coming in hot again.
0: <laughs> that's what I said, right? That's what I said. Anyways, the stickers that they put on, that just like by the end of the year it's like the best player, it's full helmet is just covered in these buckeyes. But I I, I don't know. I think that's kind of a classic helmet just because not that many schools. Schools that try to pull off the stickers, I think Georgia tries it. They just, no one can pull it off like the Buckeyes. That is my second overall pick. And then my last pick of the draft is going to be the Florida Gators. I like, I just, I really like the color scheme here. Orange and blue. I like the script of the Gators. And this isn't kind of a classic helmet, but this is their alternative. When they wear the white helmet with the script, that also pops. Like that looks very, very, very good. So those are my three picks. Uh, on to you, Luke. Dude,
1: that was that was my uh, my third pick as well. Um, so scrambling a little bit. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, USC. Another traditional. Uh, I, I love the the Trojan on the helmet, no lettering. Um and my hot take on helmets is anyone who puts stickers on their helmets can't be in the top. This isn't AYSO Rec League where we put stars on our jerseys for scoring goals or making good plays. You're a professional. There's no stickers in the NFL. Like get out there and do your job.
0: They're not professionals though. Amen.
1: In the NFL there are no stickers.
0: Yeah, but uh in college, they're not professionals.
1: Yeah, so it's like a little kid thing. I can't support it.
0: Yeah, reward, reward, good play. Max, on to you. Last pick of the draft. What do you got?
2: All right, last pick. And I kind of wanted, to, I wanted to go with some flair, but I, I think Michigan already kind of brings that to the table. They've got a lot going on with their design on their helmet. Um, I had looked, looked at Memphis. They have the bengals style helmet with white and blue instead of the, the black and orange. But I'm gonna go with with an all-time classic, Marshall. White helmet, green M. I just think it brings back memories of the movie um, and paying homage to all those who died in the plane crash. So if you don't vote for me, then you're pretty much saying that you don't care about those people. So um, we are Marshall.
0: Just a good pander pick to finish it off. I very very strong from you. They do have a good helmet though. Nishu alluded to it. Surprising, I for me that Alabama didn't get picked. They just have a classic red helmet with the number. Very you know that's just tradition at its finest. There are some other some other good helmets there. I think you know surprise of the draft goes to Marshall (laughs) at the very end.
1: That's gonna play well with uh with Beasley's mom and and girlfriend and girlfriend's mom, for sure, I just
2: realized I picked two white helmets, though, so
0: we'll see how it goes again, please go to the Twitter page at hedge underscore happiness to vote on this so we can have a little bit more of a fair contest going into the next week that is
2: am i I'm not allowed to vote you can vote
0: if you want you're you know you're a listener of the show, so feel free to vote um. We'll, we'll be tracking it as we go, but that's that's our recap of the show. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We look forward to talking to you guys next week, and please, again, wish us some luck. We are, we are in a place where we need it. Max, thank you so much for joining us. That was a fun interview. I think some of the listeners will really enjoy that. Kind of a different perspective. We went a little bit longer with the interview than we normally do, but... Again, I think it was a really fun interview. So thanks again for hopping on.
2: Thank you for having me. I had a blast, and I would be honored to be on again at any point, even if just for a quick guest appearance. Make make some locks, um, because I think, as you'll see after this weekend, um, I'm going three for three, and some people are going to walk away with some serious cash. So
0: If you go three for three, we will certainly have you back on at some point in the year. Yes.
2: I like that. <laughs> What's the, What am I supposed to say? It's I your like words. It. The one that you, no, your phrase, your phrase that you use for your likes. I feel, I feel good about that.
0: I, I I feel good about this weekend.
2: I feel good about this, yeah.
0: All right, everybody. Well, that, there you go. That's Max Lackawiecki for you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.